Hey, this episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by MXR Bass Innovations. MXR has been a leader in guitar effects for over 45 years. MXR Bass Innovations creates bass effects pedals from the ground up, each one specifically designed for bass players by bass players. Not repurposed guitar pedals, but their overdrive, fuzz, EQ, preamp DI, octave, distortion, compressor, or chorus, these tried and true stomp boxes are designed by Dunlop's award-winning team of bassists and engineers. Go to jimdunlop.com and check out MXR Bass Innovations for your bass effects. What is up, my friends? Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. This is a place for all of us bass freaks to chat it up, gain a little insight and inspiration, and have some fun with some great bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today we welcome the great Mohini Day to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. What's going on with you? All good. Just been one week. I've been here in uh, Los Angeles, um, and I am so excited for the new chapter of my life here. Okay. How, uh, where'd you come from? India, Mumbai. Awesome. And so one weekend, what do you think? Um, I have been here in L.A. Uh, a couple of times before. Uh, I was, uh, I mean, last last year I was here for NAM, and I also recorded for uh, the band called Bees and this Indonesian guitar player called uh, Deva Bujana from Indonesia, uh, Marco Miniman, Jordan Brutus, and myself. We recorded like eight songs in a day around them. Uh, then I also recorded another like 10 songs for the Japanese band Bees uh, for the oh, album. I love, for I love them. Called, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. So the album was called Whole Lot of New Love. Uh, so I was here for like a whole month and I did not get to see anything apart from just, you know, musicians and just work in general. I was doing a lot of performances, gigging a lot. And, and now that I'm here with no work at all, uh, of course, I do the recording sessions for my, you know, consistent clients that I have. But apart from that, like no really gigs and anything. Uh, so now that I'm here with no live performances lined up, I have a lot of time in my hand to just go around and see other people's bands playing at clubs. And, you know, like I said, I never got a chance to just, you know, hang out. And now I'm getting to do that. So it's been really fun and exciting to see how uh, musicians here operate and roll and how the, you know, um, just the music making processes. Oh, what are some of the biggest differences between um, gigging and, and doing sessions in India and the United States? That's actually a very good question. Uh, so uh, India is very spontaneous. Um, there's a lot of room for uh, on-the-spot uh, movement uh, moments. Um, so if you, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like uh, Karnatic performances or Hindustani classical performances where there's a lot of tapadibitaktas, you know, uh, a lot of konakol involved. Um, those type of performances are mostly without rehearsals that are happening. And the, the people in the audience, they feel like, oh, wow, that's a lot of parts and a lot of unison things going on. And maybe they've rehearsed a lot, you know, before this show. But actually, we don't do any any rehearsals before that. And everything is just bang on. It's just like the, the foundation that Carnatic musicians have. It's a different type of education and study that one has to have. It's just like how we know 2 plus 2 is 4, 4 plus 4 is 8. Uh, there is a certain type of study that goes behind learning Carnatic music. So if you know the formula, you can um, kind of complete the rest of the you know, the, the, the game plan. Uh, and of course, there are a lot of other possibilities, but 
when you do that the first time and the other two times when it repeats is called a tihai it happens three times when a person is let's say ending a solo resolving a solo or transitioning into another person's solo or transitioning into let's say going back to a verse or a bridge or whatever uh usually during these unplanned performances we will play a play a korvai or a tihai and play the first time just by uh ourselves and then the band will just follow and play exactly the same the second and third time they don't even need to rehearse that it's it's that you know it's very exciting like i said there's a certain type of study that that goes behind this to be able to do that to be able to pick up that fast on the spot you know um so and here a lot of performances are mostly i would say uh you get charged before shows you know right. you get so you're not day. reading you're not reading during those performances that you were just referring uh, to you mean in india no yeah. no you're not yeah yeah you're oh, okay. not Okay. Yeah, you're not reading. Well, um, how are you? Very, okay. Uh, um, excuse my ignorance on the subject. No, it's so fine. how are you? How are you running these unison lines? Are are you just listening to each other, or who's pulling them up first, yes. and then you're just following along? You're you're just following. Uh, you're just playing it by ear. So your ears got to be really strong and alert all the time to you know hear what the other person is saying. That's why. I as a baseler always say listen to what's going on and you will be able to survive a show even if you don't know the songs sometimes you know um the first time anybody plays the form you got to keep your ears open so that you can of course you know as baseers your time should be strong and you know you're you are the part of not only the rhythm section but also the melodic section you know so you're kind of the backbone of the whole band so you have to be attentive at all times not only with polyrhythmic time signature changes if there is any but also the harmony that is going on behind you know so you got to be extra attentive than other people in the band who are let's say just the part of the rhythmic section which is the drums you know uh, right. or percussions or mridangam or tabla or whatever you know um and during these type of situations if you're not listening to other musicians and just doing your thing by not hearing anything you will miss out and you will not be able to catch those stabs or you will not be able to catch those accents or the the whole form you will not understand if you don't listen so before playing it's very important that you listen to others and then in result to that you complement them with what you have in your mind being creative opening your creative side to what you just listen you know um so that way sometimes you can survive the shows without charts i can do that uh i have had a good foundation of that being a part of the western uh industry in india and where i was you know playing standards in clubs friday saturday night and being a part of the carnatic musician uh group uh, community um playing uh, the weekdays with them doing corporate and private shows uh it was always a great hop in and out for me i loved fluctuations i never liked to stick with anything it gets too boring for me after a point so i like the fluctuation hopping in and out of different situations hopping in and out uh with different band members cuz you always get to learn something new the more you play with you know different mindsets and different uh people from different parts of the world with different approaches because of their uh cultural difference between you know all the stuff that i have learned my way and their way is totally different but it's so fun to just um It's fascinating to me to, to just know what they've been through and how they got it 
Prosaic and how they think and how they approach uh, to different uh, types of music, you know? So that's really, really, really very interesting. And you're yeah. 100% correct, I think, um, over the board <laughs> uh, as far as being present and listening to what's going on to make yourself a better musician generally. Do you think that um, yeah. in, is Western music easier for you as a result of um, all of that? No, I don't think anything is easy. Uh, that's very subjective, I would say. Because <laughs> um, easy and hard depends on vocabulary, I would say. Uh, and experience, you know, right? It, yeah, experience, of course. And, uh, you know, experience... Uh, makes you better, but at the same time, uh, the things that you've learned as a kid growing up really come into work when you grow up. And if you have not had the correct study or the right way of, you know, uh, adapting to things, because I, as a kid growing up, I always learned to adapt to the environment, you know. Um, after school hours, I would go hang out with musicians and I was hanging out with 55-year-olds, 45-year-olds, all older people. And I was only, what, 13, 14 years old when I was doing that. It just gave me a different vision. It made me so advanced at my age. Uh, whereas, to if I was hanging out with my age kids, I probably wouldn't have seen the world the way I do now. And I would say, like, I love learning things. So I'm really open-minded. And I always say this to my students that I teach that, you know, the more open you are, the more accepting you become of your environment and surrounding that you live in, you know, uh, and that way you're more open to learning more things that you probably never, uh, you know, thought of, you know, because every person's thinking and approach to things, just dealing with life, not just music, is very, very different. And I love learning about what they are thinking, you know. You have an amazing insight on some things. And I think um, probably yeah. being exposed to those um, senior musicians is really valuable yeah. to you. Yeah, um, let's just say that I picked up on the right things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I am 25, yeah. 25, okay. You you look yeah. very, very young as well. So compliments <laughs> I get to that you. a lot, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> um, um, when did you start playing? And uh, I know your father is a bass player as well. Did you learn from your dad? I did learn from my dad at first, yes. Uh, but, you know, my father never went to a music school, nor did my mother. My mom is a singer. Uh, she uh, had a dance school in Calcutta. There's another city uh, which is very high on creativity. You know, uh, every kid that you meet in a family in Calcutta will either be a dancer or singer or an artist or a painter or something, you know. Uh, the culture, the Calcutta, the culture that Calcutta has is very rich in creativity. Um, so uh, my mom being a singer and my father being a bass player, creativity was always floating in the house. Um, and uh, my parents always had this dream of having kids and both, they, they already had it planned. They, they didn't want to hear nothing what we wanted to be. They just had it planned that both our children are going to be musicians. Okay, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I'll tell you what came up after. So obviously, you know, I was the first child and then I have my sister who's three years younger to me. Um, uh, when I when I was born, the society was not very happy. The extended family was not very happy because I was a girl and they wanted a guy, a boy, 
and uh, I don't think I, 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 don't, I don't think you get to choose that. But anyway, go on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You don't get to choose that. So yeah. my parents being uh, very forward at that point of time, 1996, you know, uh, at that point being so forward and open minded during their uh, times, they moved out of uh, Calcutta. They got married and uh they, b- without the consent of their extended family, like they were not happy that they fell in love and got married and everything. Back in the days, that was not a thing, you know, like they were totally against falling in love and marrying somebody who is not their caste and all that bullshit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, so my parents got married. They were both musicians, like I said, and they moved to Mumbai because Mumbai had more opportunities for musicians. And uh, they wanted to make it big, the music industry in Mumbai, because there's this saying where if you can make it in Mumbai, you can make it anywhere because there's so many diverse cultures in this city, Mumbai. Uh, I'm going to start using that. I'm going to start using that. So here it's like if you can make it in Hollywood, you can make it anywhere. But now I'm just going to say if you can make it in Mumbai, you can make it anywhere. So I hope you don't mind. (laughs) I... You know, I, yeah, I, I was born and brought up in Mumbai, in a city like Mumbai, which was already very, very, you know, um, advanced compared to Calcutta. Calcutta being so creative at the same, it was, it was still very conservative when it came to women, like dressing up and doing certain things, you know, not going out after a certain time, like after 8 p.m., you can't go out here and there, you know, because wow. it's just not safe because of the men out there, you know, they're like predators most of the time. Uh, back yeah. in the days, it was even more. Now it's way better, you know, things are changing. So that's great. Yeah, thankfully. Uh, yeah, thankfully, you know. Um, but my parents were very, very strict uh, because they had to learn their own ways of living, not having no having no extended family support uh, because of the fact that, you know, I was a girl, they just like cut ties with us. Like they just didn't want to have nothing to do with us. And then, and then when I started becoming famous, then they wanted to bond and tie that knot again. And my family was like, hell no, we're, we're, you know, we're not like, this is not a game, you know, we're happy without you. And my children never felt the absence of, any type of love. So yeah, I never got a grandpa, grandma, or any extended family type of love. Um, I didn't need, to be honest, because my my mom and dad were enough, and uh, I was so busy as a kid that I didn't even have the time to miss anything, you know? Uh, Getting up 5 a.m. in the morning, getting ready for school, and being at school till 12 p.m., coming back home, having lunch, doing my school homework, and then my tutor would come at like 3 p.m. She would teach me till like 6 p.m. and then I would do my private classes homework. Then after that's done, I would have my dinner and then I would do my music practice till 12 a.m. And then all over again, you know, that was my like childhood. So and your, then days were, on... your days were full. You were busy. Full. Packed, kept, you, yeah, kept you out packed. of trouble though, right? Sorry? It kept you out of trouble though, right? It, yeah, it definitely <laughs> kept me out of trouble. But, you know, you have to think, like, as a as a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, you see other kids of your age doing other things that you're not doing. So you're in your head, like, having this culture shock. Like, what is right. going on? Why am I this way? And why am I not like other kids, you know? I want to go to movies. I want to go shopping. I want to have sleep overnights and all those things, you know? And my family was very strict against that. Like, they, they just said, no, you can't be doing that right now. You will thank us later when you're you know, successful and independent when your friends wouldn't be. So right now you make your future and then you can do whatever you want. 
So yeah. So that's is what this happened. that I, is this that moment right now? Do you, so you do you yes. think that it's been worth it now that you're in Los Angeles and you're doing you're a successful bassist? And yeah, uh, how do yeah, you feel? Do you, re- do you think that you lost out on some of your childhood or is it all worth it? Like your parents said. I think I definitely lost on a lot of my childhood. People think from just the outside when you post stuff online on you know social media, Instagram, Facebook and stuff. People think, oh, you know, she had the best childhood, best parents and they, you know, she had the best upbringing and everything. As much as I thank my parents, of course, I had my own battles, too as a kid growing up, everybody does, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody can be perfect. There are things in different forms that you go through that sometimes you cannot talk about, but I, that's because I don't want sympathy. You know, I, I am proud of my own choices and I am stronger because of that. You know, some things probably people will never know. And that's just how it's going to be because I want people to focus on my musical journey rather than my personal journey. You know, everybody has a lot of pain and, you know, hurt and uh, things like that in their life. And there's already so much happening out here in the world. I don't, I don't deserve, I feel, I don't feel like I deserve that sympathy that I need. Okay, you know what? I lost on my childhood. I had battles with my own parents as well. I was fighting for my own freedom. I moved out of the house at 18. I got my own place because I didn't want to deal with the strictness around my family or the controlling nature of my parents, you know? Yeah, everybody has that stuff. At some point, you just got to deal with it. I am glad that I realized as a kid growing up, not going too into detail, Long story in short, I was happy that I realized at 17 that if I don't make money and if I'm not independent, I can never get out of this controlling environment, you know? So the first thing I asked myself, what do I do the best? I didn't do anything else apart from music. So that's the only thing I knew to do. And thanks to my family for teaching me music, at least that's something that helped. But in the corner of my heart and mind, I always wanted to become a fashion designer. Yeah. So, yeah. So I actually applied for a fashion college. A lot of the stage outfits that you see are actually stitched and designed by me. Um, Really? So, yeah, not a lot of people know about that. But um, that is awesome. You should start start a company as well. I I will. That's that's on the side. You know, it's in the process of making. Uh, Hopefully one day I'll have my own clothing line and things like that. Uh, Because you got this. I, I. yeah, I, I feel like, you know, um, as human beings, we shouldn't limit ourselves to just one thing. Yes, I'm a great musician. I know that. And I am uh, super nice as a human being. I would like to think so. And uh, <laughs> I just like to be unlimited. I want to do things that I love doing. I want to become a fashion designer also. I want to do that on the side. You know, I love making jewelry. I love DIY stuff. I love YouTubing. I I, I love influencing people with the little bit of you know life experience that i have the 18 years of you know musical experience that i have in the indian music industry and now i'm just looking forward to all the things that is um you know coming up in this new chapter of my life you know so yeah i my fans love me for who i am and i have never wanted any type of sympathy for any type of thing because of being an indian girl because of not being accepted as a girl, you know, being a bass player in India as a kid growing up, I never said that, oh, I faced any type of thing 
everybody faces some type of thing, but I never spoke about it because it was my own battle and everybody learns and everybody has failures and you just learn and grow from that. And that's just life. I, that is, uh, I respect that, but everybody's got a story too. And you should be able to tell exactly. it with no, no regrets. This is, this is who I am. So that is Absolutely. awesome. And you have a great energy, by the way. Um, Thank you. What kind of music challenges you to play? If any. Oh wow, that's um, that's exciting. Um, I think um, I'm very fortunate to get a lot of these uh, different type of uh, recording sessions from different parts of the world, different people from different parts of the world. Like just recently, there was uh, this guy. I can't remember his name. I think his name was Terry, if I'm not wrong. But it was like very heavy metal-ish rock, very hard rock with a little bit of like. Uh, fusion aspect to it and there were a lot of these like 16th notes but like really fast like 250 bpm or so you know i think people think because on social media everything looks so flashy and yes you know people want to get viral and everything so people think everything that we put out is for the views but that's not true it's just what i get hired for and that's and they they want me to post that stuff i get hired for that you know so so some people will make comments in the comment section saying, oh, my God, she always plays fast. You know, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, that is so bad. Like, have you seen me play with Mr. Rea Ramon? I am just in the bag. Nobody will ever notice that Moini playing on the bass. I'm just grooving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, no solos, no fillers, just playing straight grooves. There are so many bands where I do that. You know, it's not like I only do that. So I think people just assume too quick. Yeah. Uh, they just, but yeah, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and you can't really do anything okay, about okay. it. That's- Let's put it all to rest right now. So for all the bass players out there questioning with any question, um, what would you recommend a session that you've done or a record that you played on or a performance that is available for people to see where you're just grooving? Where should they go? Just grooving. Oh, man. I mean, all the A.R. Rahman performances, you, sh- you just type A.R. Rahman Mohini Day and all the live performances clips will pop up on YouTube and you will see me just grooving. If you want to see flashy stuff and yeah. if you want to see like what's going on in my life, what I'm doing currently, then then people should definitely go to Instagram at B-E-Y underscore base, B-A-S-S. And you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. Lately, in the past two years, I've been very, very active on YouTube. Um, just type Mohini Day and you will see my profile where it says just Mohini Day. And you will see me showing you all my personal life experiences as well as all the musical collaborations that I, you know, at that point of time, I'm doing, whatever. Like, you will see, like, just last week I was recording for a client and that's up there, you know? So those things you will not be able to find on Google or anywhere. You can only find that on Instagram and YouTube. Got so, it. When yeah. it works, when it works. Um, yes. so, <laughs> uh, what do you yes. enjoy the most about playing bass? Everything, everything. Um, I just, I, I, like I said, I really love the fluctuation bit. I don't like sticking to just, like one thing i like changing up arrangements with my own songs as well when i'm playing with my own band or if i'm playing with another band like say let's say Ramon or you know i mean there are times when like you're touring and you have to play the same thing every show 
like Japanese people like that are very, very scripted. You know, the base band, they wanted same solos. They wanted same, they want to present the same show every night, which I get it because they don't want to take any chance of any extension of uh, time period. Like, oh, what if the solo goes more than uh, two minutes, more than they want it? So sometimes it's hard to solo and keep time in your head when it's an open thing. Because I had this like feature spot uh during the three hours these uh shows through uh, the four and a half months of touring i did with him so with them so i had this like two minute uh feature spot it was just bass so they would have me come in the front and just do like an open bass solo and um they told me what they exactly wanted and then i delivered my assets based on that and uh yeah and then I feel like they are so uh, scripted. They want to know everything. Like, okay, at what point are you going to switch to this? At what point are you going to do this? Because they want to um, do light production based on what you're playing. Right. So what you're playing, yeah, they're writing everything. So my bass solo, everything is like light program. So what I'm doing, lights are going according to that. I was that's, like, wow, that is that's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, know? that's really cool. That's awesome. I'm like, I get that, why they are doing that, you know? So it makes sense. So there are situations like that where you can't change. Some solos are just evergreen, like the solo I played uh, for, what is the song's name? I keep forgetting these names. They are Japanese, and I just don't understand the language. Even after four months of touring, I have learned a little bit, though. Uh, just good morning, good night, and like, you know greetings and all of that thank you uh but yeah that yes yeah yeah so like um just touring with that whole band it just was a completely like different experience like my techie was operating the pedals for me after the show was done somebody's taking off my uh seven inch high heels and like putting ice pack on my neck because of all the head banging i did so i saw a different (laughs) side of myself I saw a different side of myself that I never thought existed in me, you know? Uh, I was like, wow. When I call myself unlimited, I I think I know it internally. Secretly, I know it. I just don't know what are the boundaries, you know, as human beings we have because you just get shocked of your own self sometimes. And I'm like, I did that? And I look back and I look at myself and I'm like, that's not me. (laughs) Or you're saying, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that also. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any plans yeah. to record a solo record? I am actually. I just finished recording ten songs, and what? Um, awesome. Yeah, some yeah some songs that I had written a long, long time ago, and I finished those. And some I wrote during this pandemic. So now I have like a set of ten songs that I'm finally going to release because I know everybody has everybody has been asking for my album. I did release a single last year, I think. That was called Can You Feel Me, which has Steve Vai on it and Jordan Brutus on it. And I heard Mark that. Mark on Stacks. Yeah, so I'm singing and playing bass. It has a little bit of fusion-esque vibe with a so little you're, bit of pop so you're, vibe. So you're a writer as well then? You oh, yeah. And you I okay. absolutely love writing songs. I actually do a lot of production work lately too. And uh, I recently recorded for um, this song which had Ch- Red Hot, Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. So mm-hmm. there was this song... He just played like three drums and I was asked to write a song on it. So I wrote a song on his drums, just three drums. And uh, that is going to be out this year very soon. I, um, yeah, so I, I, I have been writing a lot of songs lately for other clients of mine who have hired me to record just based on their tracks. And then they 
see how well or how I um, kind of ideate and orchestrate my bass parts on their songs. And then they end up asking me like, so do you write songs also? Because I see like you reharmonize a lot of stuff and I like that stuff. I, I see that you have a lot of uh, creative writing uh, skills and I want that on my songs. So I'm like, yeah, I love doing that. So, uh, so that door has been opening for me now, which is great. Very cool. Do you write on the bass? First? I write on the bass. Yeah. Okay, cool. Everything. Everything. I write uh, on the bass. Like, I will even play the drums group on the bass. Ah, I do that too. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what gear inspires you? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I'm very analog that way. So I was never into like pedals and stuff until that bass thing happened. And then I was like kind of, uh, forced to use a little bit of uh, overdrive and distortion um i mean nobody forced me but like if i felt the <laughs> drive inside of me to yeah. kind of you know do it because it needed it it was just you know dying for it so i i usually just drive it with my um, fingers putting the game knob a little bit up there so it kind of starts giving that grungy distorted sound is there so a I particular like that pedal that you use clean. oh for the beast thing yeah Yes, so I basically use this like brush pedal. It's like this bottle green like color uh, from TC Electronic. It's just called a booster. It's not even an overdrive pedal. So I just use that booster pedal and bring. Uh, I brought that uh, gain knob up on my head amp just a notch up, and then it, it did the job. If you, I don't know if it's there on YouTube because those performances were private and they don't really release them. But I think they put out one. Um, performance from the whole tour and if people just type B's tour digest whole lot of new love they will be able to see that performance and if you hear my bass sound there's a lot of grunginess compared to what I like in my you know if you see Instagram videos and stuff it's very different but again like you know if you hear the videos on Instagram and YouTube there are so many different types of project that I'm playing on there is metal project there is soft rock projects pop projects, fusion projects, and the ballads, every tone, every sound is different because the music needs that, you know? And so I end up kind of just playing around with my bass EQs. I have an OBP3 preamp in my bass, so it's very, very versatile. I play a mayonnaise bass, a Commodus Classic 5, and I have angular pickups on it. Um, I feel like they just, they're just the best for me. I've been playing on it for uh, over five years now, and... Um, you play mostly I, five? Mostly. I'm, I play five, yeah. I started okay. with a four and then I <laughs> wanted a five, so I got a five. And then I wanted a six. That didn't quite work out well for me because my fingers are very small. Uh, so so then I started like ah, like stretching out and then I had like wrist pain and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, it's not doing it for me. For the long run, it's probably not good. So then I just stuck to five strings. And uh, sometimes I'll play a six just for fun, maybe like a song or two. Yeah, or use it as <laughs> but, a skateboard yeah. or something. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I like blowing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> so for those type of yeah, projects, about, I will uh, do that. What about strings? I use SID strings, the Rock Brights. I love, I absolutely love them because I love that uh, presence of uh, the high mids and the little bit of that, like that. Uh, brightness of the string noise. I really like to take advantage of that because I like the brightness so much. Uh, so I will change strings 
like every two gigs, I would say. And uh, I will never change strings before a recording session because sometimes directors don't like that string noise and it's very hard to get rid of that. <laughs> uh, especially if you're playing a jazz song. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing a punk song, it's cool. You know, yeah. you can control that. But if there's a lot of openness in the song, then it's hard. Um, but uh, I, 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 I see a lot of bassers using compression, which is great, which helps in those situations if you want to change the new but if you want to change your strings and put a new set of strings then compress or pedal but i'm not a big fan of compression i do not like compression i don't I use it either i don't i, don't I hate it. it oh my god what about amplification my eq is pretty straightforward nothing exciting just everything is flat everything is 50 percent except the high mids knob is all the way to 100 percent really <laughs> Yes. On your amp? That's really? all the way up. Yes, okay. on my amp and on my bass. So you use, you're using really bright strings with the high mids to 11. Yes. And, you're, and, and you are obviously getting string noise, but how are you controlling it with your, are, are you using the uh, fret wraps or are you just using your finger? No fret wraps, um, although I do endorse them and Proof Gear gets really mad at me because I don't use it as much as I yeah. should. <laughs> I, I've never used but, one. I, I've always just had to use my, my hands to try to mute. But yeah. No, they're great. They're they're very impressive. It, it's great. It's just that I, I never reach out for them because I don't need it. Gotcha. Uh, I never, yeah, I've just, like I said, I've never needed like equipment as a kid growing up and I was not financially very strong, nor did my family have that much money to buy anything. So I was just playing bass. I was just playing my dad's handmade bass at first and then making money and, you know, doing my work. And then finally, when companies started sending me a lot of products, then I started making more money because uh, then I became more successful and stuff. Then I bought my own place and never needed to buy anything because then companies would just send you stuff, you right, know. Right. And um, It's funny how that works, yeah. huh? <laughs> when you absolutely have no money you have to go buy it and then when you don't really need it as much sometimes yeah. sometimes you're fortunate enough that they'll send it to you but yeah yeah um oh my gosh yeah. but it's very simple like yeah like my eq is super super simple just everything 50 percent gain just i would keep gain i would keep it at like 10 o'clock and master knob i would keep it at like nine o'clock or ten o'clock also um my base uh has low mids i would keep that 50 percent as well as on the head amp and then lows all the way up um yeah pretty simple actually i like the attack and i like the uh definition of the of my playing uh over sloppiness i uh -huh. do not like sloppiness so a lot of bass players when they play fast stuff uh, especially when soloing and they have this weird like EQ, it kind of restricts the listeners from hearing all the um, interesting stuff that they're doing. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize that it's hardly heard. We as bass yes, we can hear it, but the local crowd, you know, they, yeah. they don't understand bass that much. Yet. True. Still. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. That's why we're here to uh, spread the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other day I was guesting at the, uh, one of uh, my husband's performances and uh, there are so many people that they came up to me and they were like, what bass are you playing? And what gear are you using? What pedal are you using? I'm like, I use no pedals. 
that's just my sound. And they were like, oh my God, everything sounds so balanced. I'm like, that's probably because I never used pedals as a kid growing up. Right. But now I do. And I only use them if there is a specific requirement of like, let's say a synth sound or like um, uh, October or a little bit of chorus um, or distortion sometimes. So if you can get it to sound great just with your natural bass sound, it's going to sound even cooler with an effect. Absolutely. More yes. cleaner yes. and balanced. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. How did the Steve Vai thing come about? <laughs> um, it was it's a funny story, actually. My sister plays guitar, um, huh? and uh, she loves Steve Vai. Uh, Steve and I, uh, I think like three years ago, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think three or four years ago, uh, I was just, you know, at home chilling with my sister and she was talking about CY and I didn't know how big CY was because I was not listening to rock music, right? Um, she, on the other hand, is a big rockhead and EDM. <laughs> and like, you know, she's into that whole like heavy music stuff. I'm more like George Benson, Algero, okay. you know? <laughs> Um, so she was talking to me about Steve and then she goes, yeah, you should see this performance. So I saw that YouTube video where Anne-Marie's playing violin and okay. um, other other violins, electric violins is playing violin. I can't remember his name, but Steve is playing guitar with his like green and his shades and the black, like that whole coat thing with the cape, you know, on stage and uh, Brian is playing bass, and I'm like, wow, this is so cool. What a great, uh, you know, band. And the sound mix is so good. The, the drummer is kick-ass. And I was like, wow, this is really good. Guess what? After one week, I get an email from Steve Barr. Out of the blue? Out of the blue. <laughs> wow. You were asking the universe, and it just came to be. That's awesome. <laughs> it was funny. It was so funny. Like, just one week later, I get an email from Steve Barr. And I didn't think it was the same Steve Vai, same Steve Vai. So I, I'm thinking maybe it's just one of my clients for recording sessions. So I actually didn't reply at first. And I was like, okay, I'll reply maybe tomorrow or day after tomorrow after I finish this, these pending things that I have. And then I speak to my sister and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just like talking about work. And I told her that, hey, there's this guy, Steve Vai, you know. And she's like, what? Steve Vai? What are, you, what are you saying? And I'm like, yeah, why, what? And then she's like, this is the same guitar player that I was talking to you about. And I was like, oh, really? And then I go back immediately and I see, and he says, hi, this is Steve Vai, guitar player, and from, you know, so and so. And then he writes this very nice, huge email. And then he says, have a listen to this song and let me know if you like it or not. And um, I think you're amazing and I would love to have you on this song. Let me know if this is something that interests you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, so humble. And I'm like, wow, this is really nice. And I heard the song and I was like, wow, this is really Zappa-like. And um, I recorded the same night, I think, after my show. Yeah, I was gigging that night and I recorded right after the show. And I sent it the next day with one file with just finger style and one file with just slap style. So he can choose from different takes. Right. Um. And he heard it and he was just mind blown. And he was like, oh my God, where have you been? And uh, where did you come from? <laughs> you know, you're not from the earth. And he said some 
beautiful things and he was he was just in awe of me and so so respectful and he was you know going to pay me and i did not take the money because i just felt like it was my first work with him and he's such a big uh musician i said how about you play on one of my songs in the future oh cool yeah so that's how he played on my song <laughs> that's amazing congratulations yeah. on that good job <laughs> yeah and uh yeah from then we have had a beautiful relationship and uh you know uh when he came to india i guested on one of their songs uh with philip bino on bass and oh. that was incredible uh for one of the music festivals that i actually uh closely worked with called the nn7 weekender i was one of the judges for all the bands that were competing against each other i have worked with bacardi uh company for a long time uh and they wanted to you know they wanted to make this happen uh but before they could make it happen steve made it happen because uh, he knew I was playing with my band there, so right, right, right. It right. just happened. Yeah, and it, so and it it's, was. It's Steve Vai, you know, he, who's gonna. It's like Chuck Norris of the guitar. Yeah, know. but again, no rehearsal, so it was just like, like, oh my god, like you know, this this band is big, and they have done probably a lot of rehearsals for this performance. Performance, and uh, they Steve told me what song he wants me on, but that's it. You know, yeah. so I learned the song and then I didn't know what was going to happen because no rehearsal. So no sound check, nothing. I just came on stage when he uh, announced me, uh, announced my name and the whole crowd was going crazy because I am I am like the baby of India. Like they, they consider me Indian people. They consider me as the baby base of India. Oh. So I'm always going to be like the baby of the band, no matter what age I am. I'm married now, but no, <laughs> nobody, nobody. I'm still the baby of the band. That's I'm cool, always going to be 16. Yeah. Awesome. I wish I could be 16 forever too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really. I'm cute, only seven. Actually, I'm yeah. only 17 now, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's all it's all about you know. It's not about the number. It's about how you feel. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I agree. What advice would you give young bassists out there? That don't follow anybody's footsteps. I feel like everybody's journey is very different. And um, I, I, I say, I tell my students, they always say that, you know, can you tell me what are the learning experiences you've had? I said, yeah, I will tell you, but I cannot guarantee that you will have the same experiences, you know? Because your background is different, mine was different, and every day it just keeps changing. Because the world is changing really fast, you know? Yes. And I say keep yourself updated with time because there are so many great musicians out there that everybody's striving to be, everybody's striving to gain the same thing, you know? So you learn from your own intuition and listen to your heart, listen to your gut, and do the right thing according to what's right to you at that point of time, you know? Um, and yeah, of course, keep working hard. That goes without saying, keep practicing and not just like when I say practice doesn't mean locking yourself up for eight, nine hours. Do good content practicing. <laughs> just playing your bass and in an instrument for eight hours is not going to do anything. You practice two hours, but organize your routine in such a way that, okay, I'm going to cover this subject today. I'm going to solo over these changes for these many hours today. And then I'm going to put a metronome. I'm going to put like a different time signature with the same changes on. Now I'm going to try to solo on 5-8 or 11-8 this time. 
just challenge yourself, like put challenges in front of you and uh, make exercises for yourself, getting inspired by all the things that you see around you. That's why I say keep your head and not, yes, head and ears open so that you can be listening to what others are doing. You can learn a lot. Awesome, awesome advice. You're a wealth of great information. Um, I th- I really thank you for coming on here today. And thank you for having me. I had a great time talking to you. I had a great time as well. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Stay healthy and kind. Spread love, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path and just play. I'm Josh Paul. I hope to see you out there sometime soon. And thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. And be sure to check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Cheers.